Welcome to the Backroads Podcast, a podcast for adventures off the beaten path. In this show, I want to empower women to reach their full potential and find strength within themselves, inspiring women to let their true selves shine, feel confident, and embrace the present moment. Through personal travel stories, we will share our growth and passion. Please tune in weekly for up-to-date confessions of like-minded travelers. As your host, I, Josie Arella Sweetman, will help guide you to gain clarity on your path to find what sets your soul on fire. If this podcast resonates and inspires you, hit the subscribe button and share it with a friend. Absolutely. Do you have a mindfulness practice? Do you have a... I do. I do have a mindfulness practice. I um, believe it or not. And well, if, if anybody has known me, they would have never thought this would be me. But uh, I um, got my yoga teacher certification last year. And I had began prior to getting my certification, just really incorporating. And I was really fascinated by the idea of mindfulness, of meditating. And I thought that could never be me because I've always been so extrovert, on the go, 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 go. And one of the things that I realized is that being mindful and being present gives you such different perspective on yourself and on the world. And it's something that for me created more space. It created more aliveness, if that is such a word. Um, I begin, I've always been a journal, a journal. I always journal my feelings, anything that bothers me. I have journals that go back till I was 13, but I began this mindfulness practice of just sitting in silence and breathing. And I, at first I thought, I don't know how I can do it, but I, I began to just research more about what did it mean to, to have this mindfulness practice. And I kept growing on it and I've, I've done a lot of different meditations. Now I can, you know, definitely help someone begin a practice as well. But for me, it, it has been something that replenishes my soul, if that sounds too woo-woo, but it really is it's a way of describing it. No, it sounds beautiful. And I think what you're speaking to would relate to a lot of our listeners as being the extrovert, always on the go and always looking for the next adventure, like sitting down and finding that moment of stillness is so important. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's funny. Uh, today, I actually wrote a, a, a blog post about it because I, um, Hello there. Welcome to the Backroads Podcast. Today, as our guest, we have Julie DeLuca Collins. She is a world traveler, a dreamer, and a life coach. And we are so excited to have her here today. Julie, how are you? I am doing great, Josie. Thank you so much for having me. It is so exciting to be able to be here and talk about one of my passions. So thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. It goes both ways. So tell us everything about you. Well, let's see. I will start by saying that I am intrigued and 
just connected to you, even though we haven't met in person. But I am intrigued by meeting other women who obviously are adventurers and have a heart for seeing the world and seeing different things from an early age. My first time on an airplane was at three months old. And the world is such a big place and I'm not, not even halfway there. So I'm looking forward to just experiencing more of what's, what's around there. But certainly my life has been changed and impacted and I've become the person who I am because of the experiences and the places I've been and the person that I continue to grow into by learning new cultures and just experiencing the world. Absolutely. The world has so much to teach us is what I always say. Every place we go, we come back a little different, a little changed <laughs> in a right. good way. That's right. It, it changes you. Every single journey I've been on has definitely changed me. And in some ways, I think that not only do I, I bring a new me with me, but I also leave a little piece of my heart in all the places I visited. Absolutely. It's really hard not to, huh? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So where are you currently living? Like I live outside of New York City. I moved to the Connecticut area in the Hartford, Connecticut, which is the capital of Connecticut. And I moved here eight years ago when I married the man of my dreams. And he is originally from Connecticut. He works here. He has a job with the research center. And at the time when we married, I was working for a national company, educational solutions company based out of New York, which is where I've spent the majority of my life. My dad's family is from New York. And I split my time between going through high school in in uh, Miami. I went to college in D.C. and then I moved to New York. I um, certainly living in Connecticut is new. I didn't know if I would survive or, or thrive here. But the fact that I was still working in New York for the past 12 to eight years that I've been married had made the transition fairly easy. And now I really love Connecticut, but it allows me to still be close enough to New York City if I want to, or I can go to Boston as well. New York City, again, will always be my home, but I have definitely planted myself here. And it's great. It really has so much culture, history, and ambiance to offer. So I, I love it here. Yes, I have never made it to Connecticut, but I was in Boston for fall peeping. That's what they call it, peepers. Yep, that's right. That's <laughs> Last right. fall. And I love that part of part of the country. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, New England is is very historical and you know, one of the contrasts between the Northeast and well Miami, for instance, that buildings here tend to have a history. I, I love the little towns all around that have buildings that date back to 1700s, 1600s, and yet Miami is so new, right? Everything is uh, uh, under 100 years old. So the fall peeping is a great time to be here. If anybody has uh, intentions of seeing the fall colors, come and make a trip through New England, Connecticut, head out to Massachusetts and all these, you know, hopefully we can go back to some of that. But some of these towns have great little festivals and things that are available to them. That's funny that you mentioned the buildings, because one thing I even said when I was posting pictures was I never take pictures of building. I'm a nature person. I take pictures uh -huh. of nature. But when I was in New England, all the churches and buildings and they were very old and historic. And that was beautiful to me. 
Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's uh, funny. There's a uh, one of the things that is a little different from uh, on other places is, for instance, I live in one town. It's a suburb of uh, Hartford, but the town next to me, about a mile and a half away, they have one of those beautiful white steeple churches and there's not a lot of other buildings is the tallest structure in the town. And that town is actually a farming town. So that's a lot of open fields. And if you get it just right, it's like a picture perfect postcard because you see the sunset coming down and it lights up the colors, whether it be spring or summer or, or fall. And even in the winter when, when there's not a lot of colors and it's a little stark, but just the way that the sun sets in that particular area is beautiful. So th those are the things that are, are really uh, make this place so so lovely to live in. Absolutely. You just painted a picture and that was so beautiful. So where did you get the travel bug? Because I know that you do like to travel. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. I know that my mom uh, traveled in her in her lifetime as well. She grew up in El Salvador and she went to university at Georgetown University. She left El Salvador at an early age. She graduated high school at 16 and came to the States. After finishing her degree, she went back to El Salvador, but then she traveled throughout Europe. My grandmother, my mom's mom, was a well-versed uh, traveler. I think that for a woman um, of her age and of the times and the 40s and 50s and 60s, she was always very independent and, and loved to travel. So from an early age, I remember her always describing to me different cities and cultures. And I, I loved hearing all about the places that she'd been. So I know that for me, I wanted to also do that. Um, my mom as well, you know, has traveled all over the world. But my dad, believe it or not, uh, very different uh, life growing up. He grew up in Manhattan, but grew up in, a, in what you would call the projects at the time. And he, although he loved New York, he wanted to get out. And the one way that he found to be able to get out is joining the Air Force. And my dad joined the Air Force because he wanted to travel. And lucky for him, he was also able to travel. He lived in uh, Thule, Greenland. And from an early age, he always described what it was like to be in another country, what it was like to live there. Um, and then, of course, he traveled throughout the United States. And later on in his 30s, he began working as an at the Agency of International Development as a contractor, and he was able to travel all over the world. He did a lot of trainings and coachings uh, in the Philippines, in Central America, South America, Mexico, Europe. So I, I think that uh, traveling has always been something that has been instilled in me from my family, for sure. Absolutely. I can definitely see that. That is so beautiful that everybody from your dad to your mom and your grandma have all had the bug and they kind of just gave you that same travel uh, travel bug to want to do it and explore for yourself because I believe that you do have to see it. You can't just hear about it. Right. Agreed. I <laughs> totally agreed. I was married before and my, my first husband also was a traveler and, and he and I definitely saw the world together. We, we saw, I, I would say, despite the differences that we might have had, traveling is something that always brought us together. Uh, travel has a tendency to do that, not just us as couples, but as friends and as mm -hmm. different cultures. Like that is one of my 
things about travel is the, con- the connection you have with the people you meet from different cultures. Absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, I actually have several friends that I have met abroad in different uh, adventures that I've had, and I keep in touch with them because we connected either over dinner or in, in asking for directions or at a hotel or uh, I, I like to be the local traveler, right? I don't necessarily, I, I like hitting the big spots that you must see, but I also like going off the beaten path. And I've met some amazing people and definitely the connections are the things that make that place come alive for me. I completely 100% agree with everything that you're saying. So if you had to pick a memorable trip, does any of them stand out to you? So there is one particular trip for me that continues to definitely have a a place in my heart. And if it's hard to choose, I will say that because there's so many beautiful places and things, but I, I, um, four years ago and then two years ago, I started the pilgrimage of the Camino de Santiago and traveling through Spain. And for those people who are not aware of what the, what the Camino de Santiago is, it is a pilgrimage that dates back to, I would say, the Middle Ages. And people have been conducting this pilgrimage, and it's just uh, uh, the walk that it is rumored to have been the route that has been rumored to be taken by the Apostle James throughout northern Spain. Now, he came from Israel, from Jerusalem, and walked all the way to Spain after Jesus died. And what happened is his um, his remains were taken back to Spain after he died from Israel. And he was buried there. But it wasn't until the Middle Ages that they found the remains. And a cathedral was built. And people started taking this pilgrimage. And, and in current days, people tend to do the pilgrimage for either religious reasons, spiritual reasons, or just a reason to do it. Uh, the the saying says that if the Camino calls you, you are there. And the same thing happened for me. I heard about this pilgrimage. My girlfriend told me about it. And my girlfriend and I have known each other since high school. And 30 some odd years later, we still are good friends. And we travel all over the world. It's another travel companion. And she said, hey, do you want to do this? And I said, yeah, why not? Let's do it. And it definitely has been an adventure and a traveling experience that has changed me profoundly because it is uh, something that you are, first of all, you're carrying everything that you're you're going to have uh, as a pilgrim. You carry it in a backpack. And uh, I, I am not a light traveler, although I do know how to travel light. You have to be a tra- light uh, traveler with the Camino. And um, we we began our pilgrimage in the mountains, uh, the Pyrenees Mountains between France and Spain. And we crossed over the mountains over a course of two days. And every night as a pilgrim, you stay either at an albergue, which is similar to a hostel, but is specifically just for pilgrims. And or you can choose to stay at a guest house. There's hotels along the way, depending on what your budget is. You can choose your adventure. But a pilgrim as a pilgrim, every time that you reach your destination for the evening, you actually have your passport, your pilgrim passport signed. At the end of the 700 kilometer journey, when you get to Santiago de Compostela, you actually turn in your 
credentials as a as a pilgrim and they check to make sure that you have all the stamps along the way and you get uh you get your pilgrim compostela or your certificate that you're an actual pilgrim so it it definitely was life-changing it is an experience i carry with me every day two years ago my husband went on the pilgrimage with me and it was just beautiful to be able to share that experience with him so you've done this epic journey twice. So I have I am doing the journey the 700 mile uh, or 700 kilometer it's 500 miles. I am breaking it into parts because it takes about 30 to 40 days depending on your speed uh the, to arrive from where from the where you're starting off the starting point. And there's different routes. I am doing what they call the the French way. It, which is through northern Spain and begins in uh, it begins in France. But I've done it twice. I have walked about two hundred and forty kilometers so far. No miles. I'm sorry. I've done two, about two hundred miles. So I have at least uh, about two hundred and fifty more miles to go, or you know a little bit over three hundred kilometers to to accomplish. And and we were going to go back this year. However, the world is a very different world from what we've been before. So my trip has been postponed for the time being. Yes, you are, you are speaking this language of taking this pilgrimage that sounds so intriguing to me. I have not done the, um, that journey that you're talking about, but I have heard stories from people about how it changes them and how it opens them up to be different and helps them grow. Did you have your own personal growth story from taking yeah, this journey? So I, 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 I'm going to share just two really quick ones. So the first time um, that I did the pilgrimage, it was right after my dad died. And um, my dad and I were very close and it was definitely a period of grieving. And six months later is when I took on this pilgrimage. But at the time, I was traveling a lot for work. And they tell you that if you're in reasonably good shape walking and you typically can walk anywhere between 10 to, I would say, 15 miles, maybe between 12 and in 20 kilometers a day. So I, I am not going to lie. I didn't prepare physically as much as I should have been. Shortly before I left on the trip, I started to suffer from plantar fasciitis, which is some of your listeners may know it's super painful. But um, one of the things that we started to do that we, we got on the road, we were climbing this mountain and I've hiked mountains before. I'm not, I, I'm a city girl although I've hiked mountains before. So certainly it's not my first inclination to, to do very well on the hike. Um, but as we were walking, it started to rain. It started to rain. So that kind of rain that is coming sideways and it's hurting you. And um, at the beginning of, I, we were almost, I, we've been walking and we were uphill on this terrible incline and it just seemed like every time we were getting to the top of the mountain, we weren't there yet. It was just another switchback to keep climbing. And my my friend is like, come on, we got to put some warmer clothes on. Otherwise, we're going to get hyperthermia. And um, I'm like, no, 
I am not going anywhere. And I threw my backpack down and I sat down on the floor, this pouring rain and it's muddy and I am cold. I'm hungry and I'm crying. And, and, and anyway, so then all of a sudden this couple comes up and she, they, they asked my friend in very broken English, if I am okay. And I can tell that they're, they're, um, they're French. So I I immediately sort of perk up because I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> some people I can speak to. And I begin to, in my broken French, begin to speak to them. I said, oh, I'm fine. I just needed a break. And they're like, are you hungry? Would you like something to eat? Would you? Uh, and I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. And anyhow, and, and then they're like, well, what's wrong? I said, well, I just realized that my pants are new and I'm sitting in the mud and I, I didn't want to get my pants dirty and now I'm dirty. <laughs> and we had, a, we had a good chuckle and they helped me up. I put my stuff on and just kept trekking. But it's the, the one thing about the Camino de Santiago is that the road always provides. And most pilgrims or all pilgrims really that I've met will tell you that, that the road provides you what you need at that particular time. And I know that for me, I needed to, because I'm an extrovert and I enjoy meeting new people in different cultures, immediately I needed to be snapped out of the situation of being wet, of being hungry, being tired, and just all of a sudden having the opportunity, right, to connect with other people. Yes. And that was, that was, uh, it, it definitely, you know, helped me keep going. Um, another experience with my husband, uh, was when we, I, the second time I went, I definitely was in a lot better shape and I was just, again, great. And we, my husband is six, six, I'm five, five, and we have very different strides. So one of the days we were walking, um, in the morning, it was, he's afraid of heights. And we had to cross this bridge and he was just having the hardest time. And I'm just, I'm not a very good wife. I, I'm kind of making fun of him. Come on, let's go. Let's do it. Right. Hurry up. And we crossed the bridge. Then at one point we separated. He went ahead so he can get our, get to our albergue for the night. And I hit a, a small town and it was exhausting. And I kept seeing this, this town on the hill. And, and I, I, as you can tell, I don't do hills very well. That's really my nemesis. So I'm going up this hill and it's so hot. It is just uh, beautiful, not a cloud in the sky, but I just could not imagine like taking another step up this hill and, and the top of the hill does not, it's this castle. You can see the village and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, I need to get there, but I really can't. And this other gentleman, um, he was a German guy, young kid, really. He kept passing me and every once in a while he would stop to, and just kept asking, are you okay? I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm going to go slow, but I'm coming. And finally, he, when he passed me the last time, he, I said, listen, if you see the big, tall guy, let him know I'm coming. Cause I knew at this point, my husband was going to be concerned. So as I get to the bottom of the hill and I see the town on the top, I, um, I look up at my husband and I, and I, and I, and he looks beautiful. He is already showered. He's changed. You can see he's all fresh. He's probably had a glass of wine at this point because it's mid-afternoon in Spain. And I can't take another step. 
I'm carrying my backpack. I'm exhausted. I am, my feet are hurting me. I'm trying to climb up this hill again. And then finally he comes back down and he's like, here, let me take your backpack. And I remember thinking, he is such a good guy because I would have not made it back down the hill just to get him. Oh <laughs> you know? my gosh. So I, I um, love and and then I thought, and then of course, you know, the independent uh, me says, I love you so much, but nope, I need to carry this backpack up the hill however long it takes me to get there, which it did. But by the time we were up to the uh, we got into the town. He had a glass of wine waiting for me. We sat and conversed with other people we had met on the road and had a wonderful time. Wow. So you're telling me he came to get your backpack and you still carried the backpack. I did because I really felt like I needed to do it. Uh, what that can I amazing. tell you? No, that is amazing. Like I was just picturing in my brain how happy I would have been to give away that backpack. That is yeah. amazing. This story has so much courage in it, and I could picture it as you were telling it, and it sounds like such a beautiful journey. Yeah, it, it is amazing. I highly recommend that if anybody will, if anybody wants to know what the pilgrimage is about, they can watch the movie. I believe Martin Sheen is in it. Um, it is called The Way, but there are several different uh, other stories and uh, in um, documentaries that you can watch about it. If you just Google the Camino de Santiago, you'll see plenty of stuff out there. Your stories of how the the trail will always provide what you need in that moment. Um, really, it's kind of like life, isn't it? If we Absolutely. go, yeah, if we go with the flow and just know in our minds that everything's going to work out, know in our hearts that everything's going to be okay, it usually ends up okay. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the things that we have to take a look at individually where we are in our lives, because we have different opportunities. And, and really, as we're walking through life, we have beauty all around us. But if we're just focusing on what ails us, pains us, hurts us, angers us, then we don't take an opportunity to really look around us and to really pay attention to the gift that every day is. I have a rocking chair in my bedroom, and that's typically the spot where I will go and I will sit and take a couple breaths and just do some meditating or just praying or or even some journal writing. But that rocking chair is a place that I think sometimes reminds me seeing it that that, that I need to create the space and time to be able to connect with that part of myself that needs the stillness that uh, a mindfulness practice that brings. And sometimes you know, there's times in which I can sit and, and it's not that you're clearing your mind because, you know, your thoughts are like clouds, they come in and out. But a mindfulness is just maybe going for a walk and experiencing the woods. Uh, a mindfulness practice could be sitting in your yard and watching your dogs sort of run around and being in the present moment. Uh, I use a lot of um, different techniques as well when I go to sleep. And I know that for me, it has created more of uh, of a successful ability to stay asleep when I, when I am more into my mindfulness practice. I love that you brought up that you don't have to silence your mind. You don't have to empty it, that you can let it be those clouds that just are going by and just no judgment, just be with them. I really think that 
we need to hear that sometimes. Because when we think of meditation, sometimes we think, oh, we have to be quiet. We have to let our minds be quiet. If the mind's not being quiet, then I'm doing something wrong. So you talking to, no, it doesn't have to be that way. You could take a walk in the woods. You could savor the moment with your dog or with your significant other. I mean, I think that's beautiful. Absolutely. And I think that for me, and I think of all the years that I resisted having any type of mindfulness and, and meditation practice is because I was, I had the misconception that you had to empty your mind. But really, when I learned that uh, sometimes just envisioning what you want for yourself, how you want to, you know, carry yourself throughout the day, how you want to go ahead and live your life, envisioning the person that you want to become and the things that you want to, you want to do, that's part of that mindfulness. And it's part of you really aligning yourself with who you want to become. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you had a mindset? I know you were saying you're an uh, extrovert and that the practice has been something that you've had to grow into, but have you always had a mindset of growth, a growth mindset? Have you always been into personal development or is that something? That's a great question. I think that for my whole life, I have been I have been a student, a learner. I love learning new things, as long as it's not algebra. (laughs) I feel that. (laughs) But um, I love reading. I've been a reader, and I, 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 the majority of my life have had the thought of, okay, I can figure it out. Let me just take a leap. And to my detriment at times, I think that I've just leapt into different things. But I think that a growth mindset is something that you cultivate. And it's something that you also see. My dad was very instrumental in always giving me um, tidbits, right, that he learned along the way. And that helped cultivate in me to have that mindful, that, that mind of growth and knowing that, um, you know, there is how you look at things that actually can help you set yourself up for success. I remember when I had a major goal in my professional career and, and I was really not doing well. And he said, listen, and we had a, a love for the Yankees. Uh, and he said, you know what made Babe Ruth so great? And he made him a champion of champions. I said, no, I said, he, he just was good. He, he just had the most, uh, home runs. And he said, no, he had the most strikeouts. And, and I remember that simple lesson was so eye opening for me. Cause then all of a sudden I realized like, holy crud, I need to just strike out a lot more and knowing that in the failures is the lesson in the failures, the more that you put yourself out there, the more you're going to grow and become better and really succeed at what you're trying to do is, is part of the road. And really sometimes it's not just the, the destination of the goal, but it's actually the, the process of getting there that teaches you more. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I say failure is feedback. I love it. (laughs) I love that, Josie. Yeah. I say the more you fail, the faster you fail, the faster you'll get that feedback and the faster you can pivot or the faster you can learn what you need to learn from that lesson. As long as you go into it with that mindset, oh, I'm going to learn from when this doesn't work out instead of going in. Yeah. Instead of going in and thinking, you know what? I failed today and I'm going to be miserable for the next four days. No, let's be like, okay, I failed today. What worked? What didn't work? And start to question yourself. I think it's such a powerful thing to do. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that in our culture is 
applauded. It's not something that we're taught to do. So I am so glad that you brought this yeah. up because you know, a lot of people need to hear this. I agree with you because I think that even our, in our day and age, when we are living in a, in a world where we see somebody's feed and we see how great everything is, we see the mountaintop experiences of people. But what we are not seeing is everything that's happening before that. We're not seeing the the times that it was hard to get up in the morning to go for a workout. We didn't see the times that you stayed up late finishing a project. We didn't see the times that you chose to do something and gave up doing something else. Those are the things that we are not seeing. And, and we're just assuming that success and we're assuming that doing and achieving is is easy and that's just where it is but there's a road and you know if i relate it back to the camino de santiago there are so many ways that life is beautiful and the journey is is so amazing but yes we eventually get to our destination and we can enjoy we can look around us and 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 uh, enjoy that glass of wine right but is is the actual getting there that's the hard part and we can't forget that because that's part of the process it is part of the process 100%. I think it was Tony Robbins that said, uh, was listening to him this week. And he said, it's the journey. Like when we meet our goal, we for how long are we like excited and happy that that goal has been reached? Like how long does it take for us to be like, okay, what's next? Right. But if we think of the journey of actually living it and breathing it and enjoying it as we go. That's the good part. That's where the good stuff live, hard or not hard. And I that really spoke to me when he explained explained it that way because yes, we set out goals and we're like got to get to the finish line, but when you get to the finish line, you're like, well, I'm here. <laughs> I made right, it. What's that? Right, right. And 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 I think that that's the thing that for those people that have been successful, right? They're always going to talk about the process. They're always going to talk about the hardship. They're going to talk about the lessons because those had a greater impact than actually arriving at a place of success. Absolutely. I think that is so, so great for us to talk about. So thank you for bringing that up. Thank so you. do you have any books that you're reading right now or any books that are your favorite? So I have, I am way too much of a reader to uh, <laughs> come back and always point one out, but it's, believe it or not, I am um, back to reading The Power of Habit. And one of the reasons is because I have worked at putting together several different habits for myself together. And, and sometimes I'm better than others, right? But I am also a geek when it comes to brain science. <laughs> <laughs> and I love just being able to go back and identify, you know, how it, how does your brain work? How are your synapses creating these inroads that help you generate? And, and, and you know, the habit stacking is so interesting as I'm working with, with clients and creating habits that serve them, whether it be in their business or their personal life. It's so important that um, I'm reading that for, um, for I guess you could say uh, research for my, for my business, but I'm also, I am just really enjoying the four agreements as well. The four agreements is something that I've read several times in my life, but I go back to the book because I love the concept of knowing that, you know, there, there are these four 
things that really drive us. And, you know, for instance, I was just telling somebody that it's so key for us to know that um, if we believe that everybody around us is doing their best and we just give them the benefit of the doubt and not put any blame or assign any any hardship in them, right? People can't hurt us. We hurt ourselves when we choose to believe that people are mean to us or when we choose to believe something else. And sometimes we assume that someone is not, you know, oh, he doesn't love me enough or he doesn't care enough or my mom this or my dad that. But really, it's how we're choosing to see the circumstances and what we choose to feel based on our thoughts that really are creating um, the issues for us. So books like that. And every once in a while, I'll revert to a little trashy novel, but I haven't read one in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Well, both of those books you have spoken on, I have read and got so much out of. I am, uh, my husband, actually, he is into knowing why we do the things we do do with our brain. So when you were saying how it talks about the neurons, so because whenever I tell him like, be positive, be positive, he's like, but what does that do for me? So when you brought up the whole brain, it kind of made me think about that because it does start to rewire and, and reprogram our brains based on certain things. And so I think those, that book, the uh, power of habits is definitely one that I was definitely related to. Yeah, it's a great book. I highly recommend it. I think that, you know, anyone trying to understand or shift how they do things, this kind of gives you a good perspective on how to be able to establish new habits and and why you have difficulty. Maybe, you know, you can't just, um, you don't get rid of a habit that doesn't serve you. You have to rewire it. And then understanding that and the science behind it is very helpful. And it's a good book. I think that, you know, if you want to just get it an audible and have the hard book, uh, which to my husband's dismay, I do a lot. Um, I double spend on my books because I like to read it, but I also like to listen and then I go back and I highlight. So what would be your, what would you tell somebody who's trying to develop a new habit? What would be your, your secret (laughs) that has worked so well for you? So, um, for me in trying to create new habits, I actually, I have just started doing something new for me. I am not, well, I have always told myself that I am not a morning person <laughs> and I decided that I need more times in the day and, and I'm very good about structuring my time and managing my time. Um, but I, I, I've been getting up at five, which is if anybody knows me knows that this is not something that, you know, I would brag about in the past. Um, But I started this new habit. And really, one of the things that I started to do is that motivation is not going to get it done. (laughs) It's just doing it and just like getting it done. I set the alarm. And what I started to do is there's non-negotiables that you have to be able to set for yourself. My non-negotiable is that by 930, I am upstairs. Whether I'm asleep or not, that's a different story. But that setting up and again, the habit stacking, right? So one of the things that I've been able to figure out is um, if I drink about 16 ounces of water by five o'clock, I need to go to the restroom. 
So I, and when I go to the bathroom, I'm up, it's five o'clock. I don't, I don't go back to bed. I, and, and it, and that's definitely helped. And getting up early in the morning, what happens is I'm also sleeping on my work in my workout clothes. So when I get up, I go to the restroom and then I'm up and I have my workout clothes and I put my shoes on and I'm, I've been coming downstairs to the treadmill. Typically before we were under this um, stay at home order, I go to the gym in the morning, but I tend to putz around. And by the time I know it's like seven, eight, nine, maybe 10, and I get to the gym, or if I get caught up in something, I would end up saying, Oh, I didn't make it to the gym in the morning. Maybe I'll do it later. And sort of, um, it, it, it would wreak havoc with, with my schedule, but having that habit stacking, right. I'm doing one thing on top of the other. So now, uh, the habit of getting up early is there. And on top of that, I am going, I'm getting my workout in, I'm getting my 30 minutes of movement. Sometimes on the treadmill, sometimes I'm doing a yoga class, but because I'm wearing my clothes already, there's no, um, other way of doing it. I thought that was crazy at one point. If someone had told me that 10 years ago, I would have been like, Oh my God, you're crazy. But no, it, it really is important in uh, creating those habit stacks makes a difference in creating new habits. Absolutely. So to get out of bed, are you putting your phone further away or your I alarm do. clock? <laughs> so I, I don't like alarm clocks because I, even when you set a, um, a, a lovely song or some peaceful something chime, it annoys me. I don't. So what I do is I just play with my own internal clock and I sleep right next to the window, first of all. So I, I but I, my, my internal clock has gotten so used to and being accustomed to getting up based on when, you know, my, my body starts to, to wake up. And again, um, having the phone next to me is detrimental because mm-hmm. I don't want to get into the habit of just picking it up. And I think that many of us, you know, when we have it next to us, we pick it up and it's easy to, Oh, let me see what's on social. Oh, someone texted me in the middle of the night or what's going on. And you got to get sidetracked. So my phone is not on my night table. It's on the tape. I have a little table dressing table that's close enough. Um, but my Apple watch is there. So I, I have, um, I, I ha- I can see the time, right. But you need to find what works for you because what works for one person doesn't necessarily set for another. But definitely I recommend creating little things, right? So also if I wanted to see the time or if I wanted to see my phone, I have to get out of bed. That is one of the best things I started doing. And I started doing that this year, actually, putting my phone across the room. And it just makes me so much more productive. And I make it so that I'm not going the first thing I do with social media. No, I'm going to turn on a meditation music. Like mm-hmm. you got to set those habits for yourself. But starting, like you were saying, habit stacking, start one and it leads to the next and it leads to the next. It's such a right. beautiful thing. Yeah. And and I'll tell you, the other thing, too, that I would say to someone is if you're trying to build a habit on something, and this is something that I do with my clients, is that we um, I have them keep a habit tracker. There are different apps out there, and I've tried a lot of them, but there's one app in particular that you can write down what your habits and I let I have them, you know, give me access and we're friends on the on the habit 
app and I can actually take a look, right? If they're working on getting their water in, if they're working on maybe sending 10 resumes a day or, or whatever it is, or writing a business plan, how much of your business plan did you get done? So they, they actually go in and track it. And when you're actually seeing your progress and you're actually, sometimes we tell ourselves, oh, I was very good, but you really weren't. Or sometimes we tell <laughs> ourselves, I was terrible but maybe you did better than you thought, right? It is important to to be able to track that because really a goal and something that you're tracking growth. Absolutely. I love that you brought that up because um, I don't have a habit, a way to track my habits. And I think that's a wonderful thing to implement when you're trying to, like you said, even drink more water. That's one that I definitely am still working on. <laughs> Do you know what I'm going to tell you too with the drinking of water? Because for a long time, I just wasn't very good at it. I, three years ago, no, two, two years ago, I wanted to drink at least my half of my body weight in, in water. So I bought a bottle that's 64 ounces. And in the morning, or it, I'll fill it up before I go to bed because it's typically empty before I go to bed. And then this way, um, it's sort of automatic. I know that I need to drink one of those bottles, right? Absolutely. Well, one and a half. I drink about 80 ounces of, of, of water, if not more. But the bottle is full and I know that I need to get through it. And a lot of times when we either pour a glass or we're drinking from a smaller bottle, we're sipping. And it's not about exactly. that. Every time I'm going to go take a drink, I'm chugging at least a glass yes, so that you have a it's goal. actually going there. Yeah, because you have a goal and you could see it. So that makes it so much easier to obtain when you can actually see it going down. Absolutely. So I like, yes, I like that 100%. Get a big bottle. Amazon yep. has them. Yeah, that's a great, great trick. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're welcome. Where can our viewers and our listeners connect with you further? Well, I am all on the socials. You can definitely find me at Julie Deluca Collins on Facebook. I am um, on Instagram and I do have a podcast, which is the Casa the Confidence podcast. And you can find me on the socials and, and Instagram with Casa the Confidence. And my website is Go Confidently Coaching. Um, and, and again, I am... Anybody wants to talk about traveling, anybody wants to talk about mindset, I am your gal. Yes, and you've been very helpful at it. Is that what your podcast is about as well? Or would you like to tell us a little bit about your? Yeah, so my podcast specifically, it gives stories of women in, in, and again, of some men that have gone confidently in the direction of their dreams. Go confidently in direction of your dreams is a quote by Henry David Thoreau. And it's one of the quotes that my, my dad told me at an early age, and I've adopted it my whole life into, in, into part of who I am. So anytime that I think like, oh, what's going on in my life? I always think about, I can go and I can go confidently. And sometimes you don't feel confident, but once you start going, you build that confidence to get to where you want to go. So Go Confidently Coaching uh, came about because I wanted to give women the ability to be able to work toward getting through their dreams and sifting through the minutia that keeps them from doing so. Throughout my life, I've always been asked, oh my gosh, you're so confident. Well, I, I didn't just 
be confident. I made confidence by taking action and doing the things that um, that I set out to do. Um, and for the podcast, as you know, my name is Julie DeLuca Collins. We've always referred to our house as Casa de Collins. And somehow Casa de Confidence came about. And I am hoping that I can create the, the conversations where people can come in, sit down, have a drink, and sort of learn about being confident and what does it take to go after your dreams. Absolutely. That is beautiful. And I think that's a topic that is so needed. We are not born confident. You have to develop confidence. And I love that, that you said that. Yeah, that's right. Thank you so much, Julie. It has been such a pleasure connecting and talking and you've shared so much juicy tidbits and our listeners are in for a treat. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Josie. It's been so fun to talk to you and you're doing some very amazing things. I admire you so much. I wish, uh, you know, I wouldn't change my journey because it's made me who I am. But uh, for you to be in this path and to be able to go out there and support women and men and coach them and give them the knowledge and the skills and the tools that they, they will need in order to become better versions of themselves, it's amazing. And I'm so excited to connect with you and be able to just share this conversation. That means the world to me. It's even though you pep yourself up in your own cheerleader, it is really nice, nice to hear that from somebody else that's taking the same journey. Absolutely. Life is a journey and we, we're going together, right? Let's make yep. friends on the road. Yes, that's the best part. <laughs> Does goal planning feel like a mystery to you? I've got you. With my top five secrets to goal planning. This is what I use when I'm working on a goal. Right now, I'm using this system to build new habits and change my condition tendencies. It's worked for me and many others. I know it will get you feeling inspired to start taking baby steps towards the goals that you are working on. Here are what people who have signed up for the Goal Planning Challenge are saying. Encouragement to challenge myself and go after my dream. I've changed my mindset and expectations that I have to go back to my old job for a few more months until I can start my new job. I'm finding ways to be excited about that, which is a huge victory compared to the way I was feeling just thinking about this for the last two months. Get my five secrets to goal planning at thebackroadscoaching.com. It's a freebie that I'll give you that will get you crushing your goals in no time. If you like our show, leave us a review. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast. Join us next week where we will talk about more adventures and passion, growth, and resilience. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Backroads podcast with Joseph Aurelis Wheatman.